0: Today, on the Disney Wedding Podcast, we are taking an overview look at the Wishes Collection of Weddings and Vow Renewals at Walt Disney World. My guest today is Tierney Meyer, who had a Wishes Collection event just a few months ago at Walt Disney World. And together, we're going to cover all of the details of this collection how much it costs, what the requirements are, what the minimums are, how to plan one, what the timeline is, everything that you could possibly need to know about having a Wishes Collection event at Walt Disney World. So, welcome, Tierney.
1: Hi, Carrie. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks so much for being on the show today. I think this is going to be really good to give people an idea of how this works firsthand by sharing your experience. Can you start off and just tell my listeners a little bit about your wedding and how you decided to get married at Disney World?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't have met Mike if it hadn't been for Disney. We met because of Disney pin trading and. When it came time to plan the wedding, the most natural place for us kept on being Disney. We tried to not do Disney. Like, honestly, we looked everywhere (laughs) and then we were like, nope, this isn't working. It's Disney. And so he like most like I love his spreadsheets. I know it's going to sound weird, but I do. And he whipped out a spreadsheet one day and he's like, we can do a Disney wedding. And he like showed me all the numbers and made it all pretty. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're doing a Disney wedding. And so it was just the most natural fit for us.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. That's why I put a budget in the back of my Fairy Tale weddings guide because, yeah, a lot of times people think, oh, Disney, it's going to be super expensive. There's no way I could ever do one. But if you actually plug in numbers, sometimes it turns out it is doable. So it helps if you can have a spreadsheet or something like that.
1: Absolutely. And I may have pulled stuff from that because I bought the book when we were like, what well, it was a pie in the sky kind of dream Um, and then I'm like hey look this is what she's saying like if we do that will that actually work and he you know he did the math on everything and even calculating I mean he calculated everything from the honeymoon to flights out there to you know he did the you know everything kind of total budget which I know is a little abstract but it's something that we really found important when planning because it wasn't just the wedding day expenses that we needed to take into account we wanted to take all of our expenses into account when we were doing this.
0: That's a really good point. And that's something we'll talk about on the show today. Because even if you look at the numbers that you pay to Disney and think, okay, those are doable, there's so much else that you have to pay for with a wedding that doesn't apply toward what you owe Disney. So it can really start to add up. No, it definitely
1: does. And I have some screaming deals that I was able to get outside of Disney. And then even with Disney, we really feel like we made every dollar. We stretched it as much as we could. So I, I, your book was a huge help in that. And yeah, I mean, every bride just, if you're thinking about, doesn't he just go get the book like now, just so you know that it's possible? <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Okay. So let's start at the very beginning with Wishes Collection. The first thing to know about this is it's not a package. So Escape and Memories, those are packages. You pay a flat fee, you get certain things included, and you're done. With Wishes, it's a completely customizable event that has minimum amounts that you must spend on certain elements. So we're going to take a look at what those minimum are that make up the wishes collection. So the way that you're going to figure out how much your wishes collection event will cost is to add the ceremony location fee, the food and beverage minimum, and the enhancement minimum expenditure. So I'm going to cover what those are and how they vary depending on all the different factors. First of all, the ceremony location fee ranges from $4,000 up to $50,000 if you're looking at an after-hours wedding at the Magic Kingdom. So the most popular place to have your ceremony, the Wedding Pavilion, that has a $5,000 ceremony location fee. The theme parks are $4,500, except for Magic Kingdom, which we're going to talk about in a second and the resorts are $4,000. So a resort location would be Seabreeze Point or the wedding gazebo at the Yacht Club. Now if you do want to get married in the Magic Kingdom, there are three different ways to do that. The first is to use the Magic Kingdom train station, and that has a ceremony location fee of $15,000. The next one is the East Plaza Garden, which is in the hub, and it's where they have the dessert parties now, that's a $25,000 ceremony fee. And then if you want to do an after hours ceremony, that has a $50,000 ceremony location fee. So the other two, the train station and the East Plaza Garden, you actually do those while the park is open. It's usually like eight o'clock in the morning. So sometimes you start before the park opens, but then guests start to come in toward the end of your event. Now the next minimum expenditure you must meet if you want to have a wishes event is a per person food and beverage minimum. So for every person who comes to your wedding, including yourself and your significant other, you have to pay either $140 if you're doing breakfast or a brunch, $165 per person for a lunch, or $190 per person for a dinner. And the time of day determines whether you fall into brunch, lunch, or dinner. So if your ceremony is at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 10 a.m., you would be having a breakfast or brunch event that lasts four hours, and that's the $140 per person. If you have a noon ceremony, that is a five-hour lunch reception. And if your ceremony is at 2.30 p.m., 5 p.m. or 7.30 p.m., that is a dinner event, and you also have a five-hour reception with that. Now, you can extend the length of the reception. I know UK couples often like to have a lot longer parties than we have in the, the United States, and there is a way to do that by paying a nominal fee to sort of renew the services, to extend the services. Now if you want to have a Magic Kingdom train station event, the food and beverage minimum goes up to $10,000. It's just a flat $10,000. There's not a per person one. And then for East Plaza Garden, it's a flat $15,000 for food and beverage minimum. Disney doesn't really say what the food and beverage minimum is for the after hour ceremony, but on their website they say that it's a it basically costs $180,000. So, somewhere between $50,000 and $180,000 is how much you're going to spend on your food and beverage and your enhancement minimum.
1: So, when we were planning, this is going to sound silly, but the food and beverage minimum, I was like, I don't know, is that really enough? Can we feed someone for, you know, $140 a person? And ours wasn't that at the time, you know, we were under the old rules, so ours was a little bit lower, and my husband just looked at me and he's like, we're doing brunch and it's a hundred something dollars a person. They're going to be fine. Like they're going to have enough options. And it was totally true. It was one of those like concerns. I guess I'm just used to Disney food prices being so high that I was like, I don't know. I don't want to give them like a crouton and like a glass (laughs) of water for a hundred and something dollars, but you actually do get so like, no one goes hungry. I mean, there was so much food and we didn't go over our minimum for our meals. So Just know that that price per person, if you're trying to stick to the minimum and you're budget conscious, you can absolutely do that.
0: That's a great point. Because one thing that they don't make super clear is that the food and beverage minimum it covers all food and beverages served at your event and your cocktail hour. So you don't have to spend $140 just on the food people are eating for brunch. That can also include how much you're paying per person for your beverage package. And if you're doing a bar, that right there is going to eat up a big chunk of the minimum. And also for the cake. When you do your wedding cake, they divide the total price of the cake by the number of guests. And that's your per person price. So that will also apply. So in that case, if you are trying to stick to, say, a 100 dollars 40-person food and beverage minimum, you might actually want to make sure your menu is $100 per person or less because your drinks and your cake are going to make up the difference and that way you can stay right at the minimum. And the third minimum expenditure that you have to meet if you're going to have a Wishes Collection event is called the Enhancement Minimum Expenditure. And basically, that is everything else that Disney can provide for your ceremony and your reception only. So they have floral, they have decor, they have entertainment, they can do transportation, photography, videography, anything you buy from Disney and some of your fees are going to fall under this Enhancement Minimum Expenditure. So that varies depending on the day of the week and where your event is being held. If you do a Tuesday or Wednesday event, you get the lowest enhancement minimum expenditures, and those are $5,000 at resort locations and $7,000 at park locations. If you get married on a Thursday, Friday, Sunday, or a Monday, that goes up to $8,000 for a resort or $10,000 for a park. And if you have a Saturday wedding, the most popular day of the week to get married, you will be paying a $10,000 enhancement minimum for the resort locations and a $12,000 enhancement minimum for the park locations. And then if you are doing a train station wedding at the Magic Kingdom, that enhancement minimum is $15,000. And if you do the East Plaza Garden at Magic Kingdom, that is $35,000. Oof,
1: those are steeper than I remember.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those have gone up in the last year. It's funny, the after-hours ceremony actually came down a little bit, but I think maybe Hmm. it was the prices were scaring people off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, the other requirement of having a Wishes Collection event is that you fill a certain number of room nights. They have what they call a room night minimum. And this is 10 nights, not rooms, 10 nights. And as soon as you hit that 10 nights, you get a free night, which is fantastic. You can use it on your wedding night if you want. You can use it during another part of your trip. But that is a nice little perk of having the what they call the room block where you block or set aside a certain number of room nights. And then, like I said, you meet this minimum requirement. The other neat thing about the room block is that you and your guests will get discounts at the resorts that you include in your block. Now, sometimes these discounts are not as good as the ones available to the public. And one thing that a lot of people don't understand is that the room block is what Disney calls a room-only reservation. It's not a package. So if you or your guests do want to add the dining plan or anything that requires a package, meaning you have a room and tickets, you would not be able to book through the Disney's Fairy Tale Wedding room block and get that. So what you have to do is you just book it on your own and then you take the reservation number or you get your guest's reservation number and you give it to your room block coordinator and they then apply those nights to your block. I know this sounds super complicated and that's why I have an entire episode explaining this and I talked to a bride who did a real complicated room block and has a lot of great tips. So check that one out on com. Yeah, definitely
1: don't panic. Like the room block is helpful to you it shouldn't be stressful and we had a last minute cancellation and disney completely worked with us you know we dropped below our i don't know if they're supposed to do that but we dropped below our our guaranteed number and because someone dropped out like two weeks before our wedding and they just were like it's fine don't even worry about it and you know uh, we weren't charged anything additional and it's we got discounts on our nights at our resorts for our entire honeymoon through our room blocks so it totally is helpful and just disney can explain it if you're panicking about it it's meant to it's meant to be a, a tool not like a stressor
0: Yeah. And I think the only reason it is so stressful is because it's one of the first things you have to do in order to sign a contract. So you're just getting your feet wet with Disney. You're just starting to understand how all this works, unless you have my guide. And suddenly they're saying, you need to tell us where all of your guests are going to stay in a year when they show up for your wedding. So sometimes it can seem complicated or like, how do I know where my guests are going to want to stay? And that's why I have this episode where we talk about how you can guess or estimate that the other thing to know is that you can actually waive the room block so they don't advertise this a lot, but if say you're coming over from the UK and a lot of people from the UK like to stay in holiday villas off site so they're not going to stay at a Disney owned resort so there's no way you're going to meet a minimum number of room nights Disney will waive the room block. But again, they don't really advertise that. It's just don't stress out about it. The other thing is in 11 years of doing this, I have never heard of anyone actually being charged for unmet room nights. So I think like has happened with Tierney, that if you have a weird situation, something special comes up, don't worry about it. They're going to work with you on it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just try to Remember that it's kind of an abstract thing when you first start planning, like, oh, gosh, people are starting to book hotels. And it's like, yeah, I haven't even sent out invitations yet. You know, like, they are I feel like they definitely put the cart before the horse a lot of the times with Disney. (laughs) And then you're like, oh, wait, am I supposed to be at that point in the planning process? But they always have you ready and you can always adjust and work with them and use the tools, you know, when you're ready for them.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's not set in stone, so don't stress out too much. Okay, so the other thing that you are going to be charged when you have a wishes collection event is a 24% service charge and 6.5% Florida sales tax. So the service charge goes on everything that people serve to you, basically all food and beverages, and then some other little weird things like audio visual setup. So like if you have an iPod setup at the reception, they're also going to charge you a service charge. And then joy of joys, they put the sales tax on the service charge as well, so they charge you sales tax on the original charge and on the service charge on top of that charge. So it can be really complicated. This is why I put a self-calculating budget in the back of Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide because all you have to do is enter how much you think you're going to spend on all these things and the budget will automatically figure out how much the service charge will be and how much the tax will be and then it shows it as a separate line item so you can see exactly how much you're paying in service charge and tax.
1: Yeah, that that extra service charge and sales tax totally was eye-opening for the iPod hookup. They quoted us for the attic. We were like, oh, never mind. We'll just buy a Bluetooth speaker. (laughs) We're good.
0: (laughs) That's great. Yeah, and that's a good tip, too, because depending on your location, if it's someplace small like the Napa Room or the attic, you don't need a huge sound system anyway. So when you have a Wishes collection event, they say there is an 18-guest minimum, but there's no maximum. So you could have as many people as you want. The thing to know is that they are actually pretty loosey-goosey on that minimum these days. If you are willing to pay for at least 18 guests, 20 people total, including yourself and your significant other, they will let you do pretty much anything. They used to say that the minimum was because, and I'm sure this is true, it's very hard to meet your minimum expenditures for food and beverage if you don't have that many people. So, you know, if you only have 10 people, you're going to have to serve nothing but caviar and filet mignon and pheasant under glass to meet those food and beverage minimums. Well, you know, if you're going for the high-end event, that works out, right? (laughs) (laughs) When you decide to have a Wishes event and you sign your contract, you've set up your room block, you're ready to sign your contract. They require a $4,000 deposit and what they do is they put $3,000 of that toward all of your minimum expenditures and they hold $1,000 in reserve so that if on the wedding day you suddenly add something or you go over if you decide to do a bill on consumption bar, they can take it out of that and then if you don't go over you get that $1,000 back after your wedding. It takes about two weeks and if it isn't showing up Check all the different credit cards you used because, in our case, we had paid with two different credit cards and the refund went to one that we only used once and not the one that we used most of the time. So it's just something to know. Yay, surprise $1,000 later. It's always nice. (laughs) Exactly. Or a, where the heck is my $1,000? Oh, it's on that card. (laughs) So... Now, the cool thing with wishes is you can plan, you can start planning a lot earlier than with escape and memories. So you can do a site visit up to 24 months out. And a site visit is where a sales consultant takes you around. Usually you see about three places. It's hard to see more than that in the time allotted. And this is a good opportunity to see the places that you can't get to on your own. So the wedding pavilion, you can usually walk up and if they're not having an event, you can go inside. But if you were interested in Living Seas Salon, which is a private lounge inside, Epcot or the attic (laughs) yes the attic which is at boardwalk Inn, but the door is always locked so this is a good way to get to see those sites and also you're getting to talk to a sales consultant so they can answer a lot of questions about price and timing and dates and the minimums and things like that.
1: Yeah. And I would, if you, I don't know about a lot of the brides, I feel like a lot of brides are on the East coast and go to Disney world a lot more than we could, but we're California based. And once we knew we were doing a Disney wedding, we knew we wanted to do the planning session trip. And I, the one thing I would have changed about our planning session trip was doing the site visit, even just one day or or two days before, because that would have given us some perspective on the spaces we ended up you know, we we knew we had those spaces reserved, but seeing them in person kind of changed like our floral around and made us kind of finalize things in a different way than we had initially thought we were going to. So, like seeing like even just like the attic is a good example of like the size of the tables. We changed what we wanted floral wise because of the space. We didn't want people to be too cramped with their plates and whatnot. And then the initial centerpiece I had in mind was very flat and very large and so it would have taken up too much of that table whereas it would have looked great on say a bigger banquet sized table down in a ballroom but I didn't know the, how what the size of the I've seen it in pictures thousands of times but seeing the actual table I'm like oh that's so not going to work um, <laughs> so I wish I had seen the table you know the day before instead of at the end of our planning session after we'd already spent you know two hours talking to our florist.
0: <laughs> that is a really good point because yeah if you're not local and you're you get this one day to go have your planning session and you want to add a site visit because they don't automatically take you on a site visit with your planning session that's a good point to have it the day before or at least before your planning session which you can schedule an afternoon appointment for the planning session so theoretically they could take you around to see the sites in the morning so good tip Now, Disney lets you start working with a sales consultant around 16 months out, and then you can book at 12 months out. So sometimes it can be nerve-wracking because you have to wait till the 12-month mark to find out if you got your dates. But they will talk to you, you know, up to four months before to start sending you information, basic pricing, things like that.
1: And honestly, being able to book 12 months out even is the longest out you can book with Disney, and that was actually, well... There were many reasons we switched from escape to wishes. We were really heavily leaning towards escape for a while. But once we found out that wishes was doable and we had kind of more people saying they were going to come to the wedding, once I found out that I could actually book even sooner with wishes, I'm like, okay, done deal. We're just going with wishes and we're not complicating things. We're just going to you know, lock in everything that we want earlier, peace of mind, and just start the planning fun.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, a lot of times people are on the fence between doing the escape package and doing a small wishes. One of the things that made us choose wishes is that the customizability and the priority. So you get first crack at the locations and there's just that much more flexibility with the options than they have with escape. So as we mentioned earlier, the other thing you're going to do right before the 12-month mark is you're going to set up that room block and you're going to submit your $4,000 deposit to hold the date. So then the next thing you can do with a Wishes collection event, which is not available with Escape and Memories, is you get a planning session, which we were just talking about. And this has multiple components. The actual planning session lasts from about two to four hours, and you either do it in the morning or the afternoon. But you can also add on a tasting session, which lasts about an hour, and you go to the resort or the theme park kitchen where your meal is going to be made, and they will make samples of everything. They are full-size samples, so go with an Empty stomach, and you can try the things that you're thinking about having. And then you can also add, as we said, a site visit. If you haven't been out to Disney yet or you changed the place that you wanted to get married, you can go look at the sites in person. The planning session is your chance to go over every single aspect of the day. So they start at the top. How are you planning to be transported to the ceremony site? How do you want to transport your guests? And then they just walk through the entire day and cover your preferences for everything. If you are using Disney floral and decor for your wedding floral and decor, a representative from the Walt Disney World florist will come to the planning session and show you samples and look at what your ideas are and go over those things. And then at the end of the session, you get a cake tasting, which is, of course, the most fun part of the whole day. And you can try different samples. If you want to try some non standard flavors, it's a good idea to submit your requests a few weeks beforehand because otherwise they'll just give you chocolate, vanilla, the typical flavors.
1: And also, there cookies and cream is not the magic kingdoms cookies and cream and i really feel like they need to put that in bold somewhere because (laughs) we were like what is this
0: (laughs) that's interesting so yeah if you're trying to replicate the gray stuff some people say oh yeah it tastes just as good but this is interesting to know if you're a purist you may not find that the gray stuff provided at your wedding is the same as the magic kingdoms
1: (laughs) well we, we thought that yeah because of your podcast i said you know like oh i really want to try it like you know, these are the flavors that we're interested in. I sent them, I guess, too many. And sh- and I'm like, okay, well, we don't need to try the, the cookies and cream because we've had the Magic Kingdom one. And she's like, oh, no, it's different. I'm like, thank goodness you said that. Because <laughs> if I had put that in the cake, I would have been like, that was not the great stuff, guys. <laughs> like-
0: <laughs> okay, this is a good tip. Breaking news here on the uh, Disney Wedding Podcast. <laughs> 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 but yeah, the planning session, I have an entire episode about the planning session and that will break down all the things what to expect and what you should bring and how long it's going to last, all of those things are in that episode.
1: And it's totally worth doing. If you're on the fence and you can swing it, I know it's hard to be like, "Hey, let's go on a vacation 6 months before our wedding." <laughs> like, but it was it was so amazing. You're like a princess for the day and my husband was kind of into it. Then they brought the cake out and he was really into it. And then we had this whole banquet room full of food just for us, which was kind of overwhelming, but it was, it was so,
0: so worthwhile. That's fantastic. And I also like to suggest, if possible, if you can arrange to have like an engagement photo session or just some kind of portrait session with your wedding photographer when you're out for your planning session, and you can coordinate it with a hair and makeup trial with the cosmetologist you're going to use for your wedding, it is a great opportunity to see what your hair and makeup look like on film. I actually changed my makeup look after seeing our engagement photos, and I was so glad I had that opportunity.
1: Totally. And if you're not from a humid climate, getting to experience it with humidity, because I thought I wanted down curls, and then after three hours, I'm like, that was a terrible idea. Thank goodness I did the test run to see if it would hold, and it did not hold.
0: (laughs) Good tip. (laughs) So then about six weeks after your planning session, they will send you the banquet event order, or BEO. You hear brides talk about their Disney BEOs a lot and an estimated budget. The BEO is basically the Bible of your day. It tells everybody who's working on your day exactly what you want and when you want it to happen. So you basically, you go over it with a fine tooth comb because if it's not in the BEO, it's not going to happen. The other thing they send is the estimated budget with all the pricing because you will find at the planning session that They don't sit there with a price list and tell you what everything's going to cost. It's more of a blue sky, what are you interested in? And then six weeks later, you come crashing back down to earth when you find out how much it's all going to cost.
1: Yeah. And also like something that you don't even think of. Oh, yeah, I do want, you know, this chair that they showed me in Franks. And then they were like, oh, yeah, no, that's $150 delivery charge for him. I'm like, oh, OK. I did not think of the delivery charge being applied to that. I didn't think of that. Using your book was really helpful to figure out what the service charge was added to. But sometimes there was like this mysterious delivery charge that I'm like, oh, I did not think that that was going to apply here.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. And so you can think of the planning session as maybe you do add everything that you possibly could want, because then at least you're going to know the prices in six weeks, and then you will have time to slash it all out of your budget.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and you I mean, and then you lock in that pricing, too. I I remember I panicked slightly because the Pricing for the portrait session went up literally two weeks before our planning session. And I was like emailing our planner like, please, like, please know that we are interested in our portrait session. Like, we plan to do that. Hopefully you can like grandfather us in on that pricing um, before it went up. And they, I guess we had already signed something that had mention of the price in it. So we were okay. And it was, it had been told to us the price. So we were able to get that price. But I, yeah, having that locked in early rather than waiting, you know, that extra month where something might change is always helpful too.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point because the reason they suggest you wait till six months out to do your planning session is they can't guarantee pricing until six months out. And so once you lock it in, if something does happen, you get the old prices, which is fantastic. The next thing that happens is at 90 days out, your minimum expenditure is due. So basically the minimum amount based on the day of the week that you picked, what your location is, you know, what time of day, you have to pay that entire amount minus the $3,000 deposit. So it's the ceremony fee, it's the enhancement minimum, and then it's 75% of the food and beverage expenditure just because that could change if guests drop out or you add something to the menu. So they only require you to pay 75% of the food and beverage.
1: Yeah, and knowing that that $1,000 doesn't count towards, you know, my, you know minus the $3,000 instead of minus $4,000 makes a big difference, too. If you were suddenly like, hey, I swear I gave you a check for more than this already, <laughs> the 1000 will be set aside. At that moment when they send you that extra, that, that amount due, know that that $1,000 is not in, in that.
0: <laughs> yes, that's a good point. <laughs> And then the final payment of any remaining amount is due 30 days out. So that would be the other 25% of your food and beverage plus the tax plus the service charge and then any extra expenses, anything you've added since then. How they calculate it is based on your estimated guest count, but you can still change it if, you know, you know that people have dropped out or you're adding people. And then as Tierney mentioned, the other $1,000, they hang on to that in case there are any overages that they need to cover and then you get it back after the wedding.
1: Again, bonus $1,000, always good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's take a look at the timeline for a wishes wedding day. Basically, you start with the photographer meeting you at your hotel room or in the lobby of your hotel for portraits. If you don't want to do a first look, the photographer would shoot the couple separately. But if you do decide to do a first look, this can actually streamline the schedule of the day a lot because it lets you do all of your couple's portraits before the event and saves time between the ceremony and the reception Sometimes to the point, like in our case, we actually didn't need to have a pre reception or to leave our guests at all. We just went with our guests to the reception. And I liked how we all stayed together and it wasn't sort of like we were ditching them and they had to wait around for us. So if you're interested in a first look, a lot of people say, Oh, I really don't want to do a first look. You know, my husband is superstitious. Sometimes it's the mother in law who doesn't want a first look. Check out the episode I did on first looks because I interviewed some people who thought they didn't want to do one and then they did one and it was the most special, amazing moment of their entire day and like I say it can streamline a lot of things it can save you money because if you don't have a pre-reception you don't have to pay for pre-reception food and beverages
1: also if you have nerves like if you're a nervous person getting to see each other first would I honestly say that the only reason I was as calm as I was walking down the aisle was that I could see my husband ahead of me and I'm like okay he's here and then suddenly I was calm like we didn't do a first look but I as soon as I saw him I'm like okay everything's fine he's here I'm here that's all that really matters we're getting married woo yeah all the, all the nerves and it wasn't as you know awesome as a first look but I still as soon as I saw him so if you're if you ever have nerves or butterflies and you're worried you're going to be like that on that day which I knew I was going to be, as soon as you see him or her or whoever, you're probably going to have that calming moment as well.
0: (laughs) That's great. So then after those photos, you are transported to the ceremony, the couple and the guests, usually separately, but sometimes people save money by, like if you're having a bus or whatever kind of transportation you're providing, sometimes the couple will take that to the site first and then it goes back to get the guests. And we talk about that in the transportation episode of the Disney Wedding Podcast. We go over all the different forms of transportation and how you can save money and little tips and tricks for that. Oh my gosh, there are so many options. (laughs) Yeah, it's confusing. And a lot of times they will try to steer you toward the more expensive forms of transportation when you really don't need them. So that episode talks about the cheaper ways to to do transportation and still be able to provide it for your guests so they aren't on their own.
1: Yeah, definite shout out to the luxury vans. Those were awesome. And one <laughs> of our, we kind of joke about that one of our favorite moments was actually going from the ceremony to the reception and we were just the two of us and we had this really nice driver it wasn't a luxury van well i mean it was a luxury van but i guess i had this negative like a vision of what a luxury van meant but it was very nice <laughs> and it was a super nice guy he like we had moments to just ourselves and we were able to kind of decompress after the ceremony before getting to the reception and you know there wasn't a photographer or videographer you weren't like wondering what the next step was you were just relaxing on that drive. And yeah, it was it was nice to have those just a couple moments to
0: the two of us. (laughs) That's a great tip. Then after the ceremony, you will do your staged exit, which they stage it because otherwise people don't know what's going on and nobody tosses the pedals or blows the bubbles or whatever. So they make sure everybody knows what's going on. And then you walk down through the line of your guests and they'd get a lot of great photos. And then after that, if you haven't done your bridal portraits, you would do them then. You could do family portraits, and the guests would go to the pre-reception while you were doing those. We just did a quick, like, 15-minute session where we took a photo with every guest, and then we all went to the pre-reception together, which, like I said, I really liked. We hired a private friendship boat. So the two of us sat in the back of the boat and we got to have that moment that Tierney talked about where you feel like it's just the two of you and you can kind of talk about the ceremony and everything. And our guests were in the front of the friendship boat, but this allowed us to go straight to the reception. And so we didn't have to pay extra, like to have our bar last longer or to add extra food for the pre-reception. So it saved a lot of money.
1: Instead of a staged exit, we, so I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but Disney was a big part of our day, and our decision to go with Disney was largely because the parks are so important to us. Um, We met because of pin trading and activity you pretty much can only do in the theme parks, other than for what us diehards do, but also because our fifth date was at Disneyland. We got engaged at Disney World. You know, we have so many relationship milestones within the theme parks, it only made sense to get married inside a theme park. Like that, this is the only place you can do that. And this is also the only type of theme park that matters to us, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but instead of doing a staged exit, which don't get me wrong, the pictures are gorgeous and I loved them, I asked if we could do our first dance inside the theme park instead to have every kind of bigger milestone, the vows, the first dance, you know, take place inside of what we consider to be the most important part inside the theme park. And um, that was a really special thing for us. We went back recently and we played our song and kind of did our own little slow dance, kind of recreating that moment. And it was really,
0: really special. That's fantastic. How did it work? Did the guests all stick around for that or how did you do it?
1: Yeah. So once we exited, walked back down the aisle, they kind of like tucked us in and we had a couple minutes while they, instead of, I guess, instead of setting up the guests for a staged exit they kind of set them up in a semicircle, and then we danced in the middle of them and we still had the sound uh sound system because we were at the canada terrace and that terrace has that waterfall so they still had the sound system set up they were able to play our song we didn't have to pay anything extra for audio visual equipment and we were able to do our dance in the middle of everyone
0: that's fantastic
1: And it segued perfectly into everyone being kind of like lined up around us to go start taking our group shots for photos. (laughs) So it, it definitely transitioned nicely.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So then after all of that, you're going to go on to the reception and if you didn't do your first dance back at your ceremony site like Tierney, you're going to have your first dance. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Then they usually do speeches and the meal and then the ceremonial dances like the mother-son dance and the father-daughter dance and then any whatever entertainment you're providing and then the cake cutting. And then optionally, a lot of people at Disney weddings like to add a dessert party in a theme park or over at the Contemporary Resort or the Grand Floridian Resort. And sometimes they add them directly after. Or my recommendation is to have them, like if you have a morning wedding, to have them you know, that same evening, but with a break in between. So everybody gets to take a nap, the bride gets out of her dress if she is uncomfortable. And then everybody gets back together in the evening for this dessert party. And it's something fun to look forward to so that your day isn't over as soon as the reception is over. It lasts a little bit longer.
1: I am so thankful that our day was not over <laughs> like at the reception. I'm like, so thankful that we were able to do the dessert party. It was just such a Talk about something you can only really do at Disney to that caliber, having a fireworks show, you know, so perfect like that. It was just a, a magical end to a perfect day.
0: That's fantastic. Where did you have your dessert party? Italy, Isola West. That's one of the top views. That's fantastic. Yeah, you feel like you're kind of touching the fireworks. There were definitely moments where I'm like, those are close. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like head-on and it rarely gets problems with wind like some of the other locations the wind will blow the smoke depending on which way it's blowing but italy has always got a perfect view
1: and you can even see straight to the epcot ball which i thought was fantastic so you have this like beautiful picturesque view all the way through the front of the well i mean obviously you can't see the front of the park but all the way through the park and it was just the perfect setting
0: that's wonderful Now one thing to know about the dessert party is that it doesn't count towards your food and beverage minimums or your enhancement minimums the way it used to a few years ago, which is unfortunate because it was a great way to meet those minimums and incorporate this extra event. So now it's something that you're going to be paying for on top of the minimums for the ceremony, the food and beverage minimum for the wedding, and then also the enhancement minimum for the wedding but don't be discouraged. It's totally worth it. Like there are a couple additions that we did.
1: Okay. We did a lot of additions that didn't count to our minimums. Like we did, there was definitely a moment where I'm like, I'm not going to do anything that doesn't count towards our minimums. And then my husband just looked at me. I'm like, well, (laughs) that didn't actually pan out my bad, (laughs) but there, they were, there was definitely nothing that we paid money for that. We're like, we regret that. There's nothing that we have had that thought about.
0: That's great to hear, yeah. And if you don't want to do a dessert party on the day of your event, you can always use it as a welcome party or a rehearsal dinner, or sometimes people have a dessert party as a farewell event. And then the other thing to know about dessert parties is that if you're in a theme park, you can incorporate a ride mix in. So this is something Disney doesn't really mention, but it's a fantastic, unique, another only at Disney thing where for $15 per person, your group is escorted on the last ride of the day. So it has to time out with... It's usually it's an Epcot, it has to time out with the park closing and then they lead you to the ride and you're the last people to ride it and you don't have to wait in line. If you had a Fantasmic dessert party, you could also do a mix-in in Hollywood Studios. Like a lot of times people do Tower of Terror. So that, again, it's $15 per person who doesn't have park admission. If they have like an annual pass or something, then you don't have to pay the fee for them.
1: And you're free too. Like you and your husband are free.
0: Right. Yes. So Disney's Fairytale Weddings, they charge a $10 viewing fee for in park, fireworks, dessert parties, except for the couple. They are free. And then it would be an extra $15 per person if you want to add a ride mix in. But again, the couple is free. So that's a nice little perk that they add. And then the other option is you could do a ride buyout. Usually those are done if you're having your entire reception near a ride, like if you're in Tower of Terror Courtyard, or you're in Animal Kingdom in front of Expedition Everest, you can buy out the whole ride and keep it running for your entire event. But that costs an average of $9,000. So that's usually something that's done when you're doing your whole reception there, not just your dessert party.
1: Yeah, we did a ride mix-in after our dessert party and it was so awesome. Not only did we get to enjoy the fireworks and the desserts and everything, but on our way to our ride mix-in location, we got to stop in a couple extra bonus countries and do like a couple quick snaps with our photographer. So we got these, you know, extra pictures that we love and then we got to go on Frozen which I know that not everyone is a Frozen fan but that was the first Disney movie my then boyfriend and and now husband and I had seen in theaters together so it was a exciting thing for us to get to go on Frozen with everyone and also with it being such a popular ride you know no one else had really had a chance to even go on it no one could get fast passes for it with when it had just come out or well I guess I'd been around out for six months or so, maybe a year, but no one can get Fast Passes. So them getting to ride it during our dessert party was really special for them as well.
0: That's fantastic. And I don't think you have to be a Frozen fan to love that ride. It's so much fun. It's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing is we tried to do one when we had our anniversary party at Universe of Energy and the ride was down. So apparently Frozen breaks down a lot and that's something to consider. You might have to have a backup. So we did Test Track as a backup, but oh, I was so bummed out we didn't get to do Frozen.
1: Oh, Test Track's awesome though. And oh, Oh, that's another thing. You get your ride photos from it that's right that that might not sound cool to some people but but I thought it was awesome to have a ride photo from Disney with me and my husband in our wedding outfits like we're you know it was such a cool thing to have um, for the random theme
0: park memorabilia that we have that's a great tip so let's talk about some frequently asked questions for wishes collection weddings and vow renewals oh and I should say also If you are considering a vow renewal, Disney treats vow renewals and weddings interchangeably. So everything we're talking about applies to vow renewals. There's not a different price for that. The only difference is that you don't have to show them a marriage license. So let's look at some frequently asked questions First of all, people want to know what venues are available for ceremonies and receptions. This is something Disney's not super great about volunteering this information, I think because they love weddings that take place at the Wedding Pavilion and the Grand Floridian because they're so easy to pull off, and when you do a park, then the weddings team has to work with the park team, and it can get kind of complicated. So there are a lot more venues than you will see just on their website or you will have mentioned, and I have... A link to all the venue photos on my website, fairytaleweddingsguide.com. So you can look by park, by resort. And see all the different options. Some of them are more conference-y than others. Like I don't think I've ever seen a wedding reception in the Odyssey at Epcot. But hey, if you're into like late '70s, early '80s architecture, that is the place for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Some of the Epcot, yeah, <laughs> decor. I'm like, oh, they haven't updated that in a while.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Another question: Can you have a reception in the Magic Kingdom? So right now, the only way to have your actual wedding reception in inside the Magic Kingdom would be with the $180,000 after hours wedding. Even if you do the train station ceremony or the East Plaza Garden ceremony, you're going to have to have your reception at one of the resorts nearby. You can't do it inside the park. Now, the other parks, yes, you can have a reception, but you might need to wait until two hours after park closing. It depends on the park. So, like, Epcot is cool because World Showcase opens later, so often you will see people do brunch receptions, you know, outside in France or something, and it's more of a private event. But like Animal Kingdom or Hollywood Studios, you would need to wait until two hours after the park closes before you can start your event. Sometimes they can fudge that for our Universe of Energy party, Cause we didn't want to start eating at eleven o'clock at night, so we kept bugging them and kept bugging them, and they kept bugging the parks team, and finally they let us start at, I think it was about an hour earlier. So that's always something to just keep checking if it's important to you. Do we get annual passes with our wedding? Unfortunately, no. They used to give you annual passes when you got married at Disney and now they do not. They don't even give you magic bands anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, they don't even give you magic bands anymore? Nope. Aww. <laughs> that's a bummer
1: <laughs> we missed that we missed the annual passes too but what's funny about that is we had like we just missed it by like less than six months for the oh. annual passes and we were like so he, i remember he took he took the spreadsheet out and he's like well one more thing we're changing <laughs> before we had even gotten to our planning session um and i think you broke the news on a podcast and i was like come on guys not even annual passes and then now they're not even giving magic
0: bands come on <laughs> (laughs) uh so and that was also a a great way to kind of justify like well the price of the wedding includes free annual passes so that's a thousand dollar savings right there (laughs) yeah like that means we could go this many more times which may not again be savings but still justification (laughs) yeah really they should be they should figure out a way to afford to add them back to the package because then they hook you and you have to go back for your anniversary
1: (laughs) exactly
0: Another question I see a lot is, can I bring my own floral and decor? That depends on where you are going to be. So if your reception is at an indoor convention center space, yes, you can DIY. You can hire an outside vendor, which is a great way to save money or to get a lot more bang for your buck. And I have a show on that where I interviewed a bride who did a ton of stuff at the contemporary convention center through outside vendors and saved so much money and had a beautiful wedding. There's a page in my Fairy Tale weddings guide called what can I DIY and where in the wishes chapter and that has a whole breakdown by location. Like I'm at a resort, it's inside. I'm at a resort, it's outside. I'm inside a park. It tells you what you can do yourself, what you can hire outside vendors for, what you have to use Disney for. And sometimes it's on a case-by-case basis. So if you are in a park and you desperately want to make your own centerpieces out of something non-floral like books or something you can talk to your wedding planner about it and see if they will allow you to do it but the general rule of thumb is if you're inside a park Disney has to provide everything.
1: Also some of it applies to like photo booths like so an aspect that I didn't initially think of as centerpieces or like floral and decor but like uh, having the space to set up a traditional style photo booth from an outside vendor they were not you know flexible on that at the attic so I don't know and I also I, I thought of the attic as a convention center space I thought of it as being at the hotel and being but it's not a convention center space and I understand why it's not treated the same way. But for some reason in my brain, when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, we're at a hotel, therefore we can do whatever we want. And then I had the realization once we were at the planning session that, oh no, this is a hotel venue, but it's not a convention center space. It has its own rules and it is has more restrictions.
0: Yeah, that's a good thing to point out because Atlantic Dance Hall, The Attic, Aerials, these are all special venues. They call them special venues. So they are at the resorts, but they're not ballrooms. And I think that it's just the ballrooms are in convention centers that have the facilities to facilitate vendors coming in and out. But with places like The Attic, which is at the end of a really, really long hall in the middle of the DVC wing, they can't have outside vendors or people from your wedding traipsing in and out and setting stuff up for you
1: right and it totally makes sense once I thought about it (laughs) and I and especially once I saw it I was like oh this really is a really long hallway um but (laughs) when, when I when I was thinking about it I didn't quite understand why we couldn't have like a traditional photo booth we were still able to do kind of like our own DIY deconstructed one which was super fun but it was something kind of it hadn't occurred to me and then I don't know if this really counts as floral and decor but again, we met pin trading. Um, and so I had to incorporate pin trading at our reception. And so each person got, you know, a, a Disney pin at their place setting. And then there was a pin trading table with all sorts of extra Disney pins where they could go and swap out the one that they got for a different one that they liked more. And, Once I started to hear about the restrictions at the attic, I was like, oh, no, can we even do that? And they were able to, you know, work with us and let us bring whatever pins we wanted and bring like some signage and things like that. So when you initially hear about it being really restrictive, like there are certain things that if you just talk to them about it, they might be able to work with you.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Another question I see a lot, are there any discounts? So generally, unless they're doing a special limited time promotion, in the past years they've had Lower food and beverage minimums or lower fees depending on the day of the week or time of year. Unless one of those is going on, there are no discounts except potentially there are Florida resident or cast member discounts. But these aren't always available and they vary by season. So you need to ask your sales consultant if they're available for your date. In the past, when these have been available, they have been 10% off food and beverage every day except Saturday, 10% off specialty transportation, so that would be Cinderella's Glass Coach or a Landau Coach, also 10% off floral, entertainment, photo, and video, and then an extra 10% off food and beverage if you use Disney for all of those services. But again, these are not always available, so you need to find out from your sales consultant if you, as a Florida resident or as a cast member, would be able to get those. And then the last question I see a lot is, can only Disney's fairy tale weddings couples take bridal portraits in the Magic Kingdom? If you've listened to this entire episode and you've decided, nope, Disney wedding is not for me, I'm going to get married at the Swan and Dolphin, you can still take your bridal portraits in the Magic Kingdom. Anybody can do a bridal portrait session in the Magic Kingdom now. But if you are not having a Disney's fairytale wedding, you can't book until four months before the date you want. So sometimes that can be a little bit stressful for people. There isn't a ton of competition for dates among couples, usually the problem is that the photo sessions are blacked out because they're decorating the Magic Kingdom for the holidays or something. So you would need to wait till four months out, but you can call them and kind of get an idea of what availability is going to be like. And I have an entire episode on bridal portrait session frequently asked questions. So all the things people want to know about those, I interview a bride who did hers in Florida and at Disneyland. So we talk about the differences on the two coasts. We really did enjoy our bridal portrait session. I mean, when
1: else can you wear your wedding dress in the middle of Magic Kingdom? Well, I guess other than the Halloween party, we saw a couple people doing that. But (laughs) when else can you wear it alone in the middle of the Magic Kingdom? (laughs) Oh, I did want to say one other thing. So don't worry if your reception doesn't have dancing. If you are going with a brunch reception or a lunch reception that you're, you know, trying to be budget conscious, not having a traditional dance floor or DJ... Your, your reception won't be weird. I feel like, honestly, our guests are relieved. You know, they would have been walking around Disney World for a week at that point. Everyone had, you know, slightly sore feet because they hadn't done that much walking before. And they were able to sit down, have a drink, take in the gorgeous view from the attic, actually talk to each other at the reception, and have a good time. And we were able to do kind of some other types of entertainment that you can only, again, do at Disney. We were able to have Mickey and Minnie come and totally entertain everyone everyone got some priceless pictures you know with those two special guests and even if it's different than what your traditional perception of a wedding is it's not going to ruin your day it's not going to be a big deal you know your friends and family would totally understand
0: i'm glad you brought that out because this is one of my soapbox topics with disney weddings is i think a lot of brides feel like They have to entertain their guests every single moment of the reception, and it's just not true. As Tierney said, sometimes people just like to sit and talk with each other. Here are relatives that maybe only ever see each other at the various family weddings, or there are new friends and relatives getting to know each other. And so sometimes people just like to sit and talk and catch up or meet people. They don't have to have somebody, you know, singing and dancing and soft-shoeing for them every single moment, especially if you're doing like a brunch reception, which is usually shorter. It's in the daytime so people don't expect a lot of booze and dancing. I think that you can have a caricature artist or entertainers or no entertainment and people are still going to have a good time because it's a fabulous Disney wedding.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No one missed it at all. And I mean, that was a big deal for us when we picked a Disney wedding. We had his family, some of which are from the East Coast and some of which are from Northern California. And then my family, which were from Colorado and Southern California. So these groups that never really even get to mix, were able to you know, get to know each other through a whole week of wedding festivities and then really get to sit down and talk at our reception and get to rehash all these great memories that they've made together. Dancing was the last thing on anyone's mind and no one missed it at all.
0: That's great to hear. And if you've gotten to the end of this episode and decided that the Wishes collection is not for you, I have two other overview shows. I have a Memories Collection overview for the smallest package that Disney offers, and an Escape Collection overview that talks about everything you get with the 20 person Escape package. But hopefully, we have been able to answer a lot of your questions and set you up to get started planning a fantastic Wishes event at Walt Disney World. Tierney, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I think you've offered a lot of great tips and helpful insights for anyone who's considering the wishes collection.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me. And thanks for being the most constant resource for Disney brides that are in the middle of planning out there.
0: (laughs) That's our show for today. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward, inviting you to join me again next week for another episode of the Disney Wedding Podcast. In the meantime, send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at disneyweddingpodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show site DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. And for instant answers to all your Disney's fairy tale weddings questions, Check out Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at fairytaleweddingsguide.com.